0: Good morning everyone, today is October 2nd, it's 8.51 in the morning, had a busy morning so far, had to take my car in to get the brakes done, alas, fortunately only brake pads, keep your uh, fingers crossed on that one, since rotors is going to cost me my, (laughs) all the money through the next year. Who knows? We'll see. But my, uh, mechanic thinks it's only the brake pads and then a few other things that have to get done. So got that taken in, did my run, did all of those things. I was contemplating starting out this podcast by saying, welcome to the land of disenchantment, (laughs) which I decided sounded overly negative. You think, um, because we did not get our rain. Yesterday I was talking about how the uh, edges, maybe now we can call it the dregs, the sides and tails and forward parts and all of those things of now tropical depression. Rosa um, brought in some very nice uh, cloud cover and humidity to the air and lovely smells of the ocean from far off. But alas, we did not really get any rain. Um, and it really seems to be kind of... It was very dark this morning, but now it seems to be clearing off. And, oh well. Into every life, rain sometimes does not fall. Which isn't nearly as good of a saying, but you know. We... <laughs> I suppose that's a, that's all part of the deal. Okay, hang on. We're going through the passageway of doom. With these longer, cooler, or darker, cooler mornings, with the sun not going to you know rising later and later, the cats uh, go back to sleep after breakfast, so they're not so chomping at the bit to go out. Let's see, our little choya distribution rodent is has been busy here. Lovely morning out here in the Great Barber. Yeah, first sip. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping I have much to say today. I'm feeling kind of quiet-minded, kind of meditative today. Been working away on uh, Harlan and Ursula's story. I'm. Still, it's funny, I I know what the romantic conflict is. I'm just not exactly sure how to piece through what's going to happen in the overall conflict. I think I know what it is, but I'm still working my way into that. Um, you know, the thing about novellas is they move so much faster, and or they should. <laughs> so I can't dink around with stuff. Uh, as I might in a novel. Dink around's probably the wrong word, but um with the novel you can kind of layer things in and take your time doing stuff. And with this I yeah, have a little bit of um yeah a a sense of urgency might be the way to put it. Yeah. Um I'm deciding that maybe a sense of urgency is wrong. Um, Maybe I feel like I need to have a sense of urgency and I'm not there yet. Uh, But that's always part of the process and part of describing the process for you all as it happens. I remember when blogging first became big, Neil Gaiman uh, was one of the first authors to have a blog. And he had at first resolved not to talk about writing or, or at least his current project on his blog because he was just sure that it was going to end up being something along the lines of one day it would say this is going to this is brilliant this is going to be the best book ever and the next day would be nope nope i'm wrong it's utter crap <laughs> which is pretty accurate about how the the writing process feels um, and as you get to be a more experienced author, you still go through these heights and lows uh, and periods of despair. I feel like, you know, that sounds like a strong word, but sometimes you really do feel this despair where you think, ugh, I am absolutely failing at this. It is not working. I'm a failure as a writer and I'm doomed. Uh, You know, and then the next day is better. And the experience leads you to at least have a sense of humor about this and understand it. And I think what Neil Gaiman discovered was that he might as well talk about those things because, in some ways, it's impossible not to. And it is part of the process. And I think it's something that uh, aspiring writers don't always understand. You know, they, because you, what you see from the outside is you see the final product and you see this thing that's been shaped and polished and you think that the whole process is like that, that the author somehow just sort of skipped down the lane, casting words from their wicker basket upon the path like rose petals, and which is a lovely image, but really not how it feels. In fact, a lot of times the author is like instead down on the their hands and knees on the path, like scraping at the mortar between the gr- bricks. It's more like, Cinderella pre-ball. <laughs> I was messaging with um, my friend Grace Draven yesterday. Her book came out uh, last week, Phoenix Unbound, which I'm finally reading. I'm like 25%, 26% through it. So th- and of course, it's wonderful. Uh, I did uh, message, the reason I messaged her was to ask her how to pronounce the heroine's name. The heroine's name is G-I-L-E-N-E. And it is Jeline. So, And I was totally going with a hard G, so I'm glad I asked. And now you've heard it here on the podcast, so you'll know too. Yeah, it's Jalene. So I messaged her to ask that. And then said, oh yeah, by, hi, by the way, how are you? <laughs> now that we've gotten the important things out of the way. And we were talking about our novellas for this anthology because she's writing one for it too. And I was saying that um, Jennifer Eastep. Has already finished hers. Hers is called A Winter's Web, and she sent it to me to read, and it's fabulous, and, and she's completely done. So I told Jennifer that she gets first prize for being done first, and also now she's earned our undying enmity and jealousy. <laughs> Not really, but we are envious. And so I told Grace that Jennifer was done, and she said something along those lines, like, lucky her. And she said that she'd written the first third of her story three times now, or the opening for her story three times now. And I was laughing, saying, yeah, yeah, I hear that. And she's like, why do I have to do this every freaking time? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) I have to do it every freaking time, too. You know, and that's the thing, is we talk a whole lot about process and about you know, improving and what you can do and what you can't do. And, you know, really the most important thing that you can learn as a writer, and I would assume as any kind of artist, but writing is what I know, that you have to own your process. You have to learn what your process is, how you best, pro- and, and that's what it is. It's how you best produce stories or how you produce the best stories. Uh, not necessarily the fastest or the shiniest or the most comfortable, but how you produce your best work and you own it and you do it. <clears throat> I have author friends who are forever taking like the latest class on how to write more words a day and do all of these different things. And I think, it sure, it can be useful to try new skills. Certainly nothing wrong with that. But I still think that it's a it's most important to to own your process, um, because after a certain point, we all have stories. You know, the stories that come from us are uniquely from us. I mean, that's that's what we have is the way we tell our stories, and it's the uh, answer to the whole question of, you know, like where do you get ideas or all of this kind of thing. You know what's most important is how you write the story, and that that entirely comes out of you, which means it comes out of your creative process. It's one reason why jealousy is—I—I I, want to say that it's so not useful, which we know that it's not useful, um, and we know that you know jealousy is is a poison. I mean, it really eats at you. And jealousy comes from comparisons. Uh, It comes from looking at somebody and saying, why is their book getting this attention and mine is not? Why are they getting invited to do this thing and I haven't? Why does it seem like they're making more money? Why are they hitting the bestseller list? And all of that comes from comparison. You wouldn't notice it if you had your eyes on your own work which is one reason why one of my personal mottos is keep your eyes on your own work. Uh, a lot of people don't understand that when I say it. But that's that's entirely what I'm getting at, that the great solution to jealousy is to go work on your own stuff. Um, the way to prevent jealousy is not to compare what you're doing to what someone else is doing. It's very difficult because... Uh, the world compares us all the time, right? Uh, readers like to compare our books to each other, compare different authors to each other. Uh, some events or lists are by nature competitive. So, you know, like only one book gets to be number one on the New York Times bestseller list for that week or number two, you know, and only a hundred get to be on the list, um. Uh, you know, those things are, are part of our culture and part of our lives. But that doesn't mean that you have to play. You don't have to go look at the list. You don't have to go look at these other things. You can keep your eyes on your own work. It's, um, I'm trying to decide if I think jealousy is ever useful And I guess that it can be because it can be if you use it, if you turn that energy back into your own work. And it can also be if you notice, okay, this person has something that I envy, that I want, that I wish I had. And so you can put that energy then into thinking, how can I... How can I, too, have this set of Ginsu knives? Uh, (laughs) Although, certainly, advertising tries to get us to be jealous, right? Don't you want to have what your next-door neighbor has? No, actually not. Um, But there is a sense of, okay, this person achieved this thing. How can I achieve this thing? I would like to have this, too. Uh, The important thing to remember there is that how little of that is really within our control I mean if you all you can control is what you do right your own work uh, and which is part of why I like that another reason I like that motto of keep your eyes on your own work um, it's it's the one thing I can control is what I write and how I write it After that, you know, things like um, whether or not enough people to buy it, buy it, get it on the list, enough people buy it at the right time to get it on a list, Uh, whether you uh, get invited to do this thing or that thing, or, you know, like whether you get to have your book reviewed by some sort of very popular site, or all of these things, so much of that is up to chance and is up to serendipity. And... We try to game this system by trying to, by being good people, right? (laughs) We do this whole thing and we think, okay, well, if I am, you know, good, or if I am religious, if I pray, if I do things for other people, then this will come back around to me, you know, and I will get good things in return. Uh, You know, and the thing is, is it doesn't work that way. (laughs) <laughs> if you put good things out into the world, then yeah, good things will come back to you. That's, that's part of the cycle of life, of karma, of whatever you want to th- think of it, you know, or John Lennon, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. You know, I think that there's a lot of truth to it if you're are a shitty person and spew a lot of poison, then a lot of poison comes back to you. But a whole lot of that is your own. That's because, you know, you're not spitting it as far as you think. And it's the same with jealousy. If you're jealous, then you get to stew in your own jealousy. And really, you're the person that gets is the most miserable from it. Um, but the idea that you can somehow if you feed enough goodness coins into the great vending machine of chance, that it will then eventually spew out the brass ring. And I know I'm really mixing metaphors there. Sorry. That it will eventually spew out the big prize. um, If you just put in enough goodness coins. Well, yeah, life doesn't work that way, right? We'd like it to. Um, you know, there's that whole thing about like why do bad things happen to good people? And it's like, well, why do bad things happen at all? Uh, something I've brought up many times. One of my favorite professors of religious studies said uh, that we o- often ask of God or the universe or what have you, uh, why? when bad things happen, a terrible thing happens, and we lift our eyes to the heavens, and we say, why? Why me? Why did this happen? And he said, but when good things happen, when we receive these great blessings, we almost never think to raise our eyes to the heavens and say, why me? Why did I get this thing? And for me, that's been a very important reversal on life. And it's a A good antidote to feeling jealousy, you know, that instead of saying, why did they get this thing and I didn't? It's like, well, why did I get the success that I did? That's, that's an amazing, you know, it's, it's incredible the things that uh, are showered upon us that we somehow take for granted. Another form of, of privilege, I suppose. So that was kind of a longer and ramblier, uh, not exactly a rant, musings on jealousy and comparison and counting your blessings, appreciating the life that you get. I'm looking at the light is on the crabapple tree this morning again, and starting to get some really pretty color in the leaves, but there's also the sort of glowing ruby shapes of the crab apples themselves off to see if I can get a picture of that for you all. It's pretty. So today is the second, the release of the second installment of the great fantasy romance trifecta, uh, Jennifer Step's book, Kill the Queen. Uh, that's part of why she wanted to get her story for the no- the novella for the anthology done early so that she could focus on this book coming out. This is the first in a new uh, trilogy, at least, and it is fantastic. I loved it. I believe... I blurbed it. I don't know if it's actually on the book. I don't think she said. But, uh, yeah, I uh, greatly enjoyed this book and recommend that you all, if you did not pre-order it, that you r- run out and get it because... Um, it is, if you've read her Elemental Assassins series, it has all of the fun snark and uh, sort of family of characters and fights and uh, proficient kick-ass heroine that I loved in those books, but in a fantasy setting with um, some cool magic systems. So, yeah, I think uh it's a great ride and you all would really enjoy it. So go out and get that. I think I mentioned before that even though it's called epic fantasy is what the publisher decided to call it, uh it's it's really got this um, slow burn romance, so slow burn. I know I've mentioned this multiple times that uh yeah, it's ins it ends before I wanted it to, before it did what I wanted, but I also found it very, very satisfying, an emotionally satisfying ending, as RWA says. So, uh, so yeah, congratulations, Jennifer, on your release today, and, and I, yeah, I think, um. I, I was trying to think of how I wanted to phrase this. That, you know, like I've, it, it's good to celebrate each other's releases and I'm not jealous, but it's like I'm, I'm not jealous of that at all because I just want her to write more books. <laughs> um, still waiting for her to send me that sequel, but it should come anytime now. All right. I am going to wind up there and I hope that you all have. A wonderful Tuesday. Release day is always a fun Tuesday. I'm sure there's other great books out there releasing today that I did not pay attention to. Um, but, you know, we try what we can. Do, do what we can. Try what we must. So on and so forth. Thank you all for sharing my first cup of London Vogue with me today. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye-bye.